the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining. Hour number two, now eight minutes past 10 o'clock on this free-for-all Friday morning. It is the 20th morning in the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Michelle Malkin joins us at about uh, 1035. Looking forward to that conversation. Graduate and survivor of the People's Republic of Oberlin. I was just speaking of surviving. I was just watching the video again, which I posted on Twitter, Facebook, and Parler. Um, you have to see this. It's three and a half minutes. It's not going to take up most of your day, but it will open your eyes. It really will. This is why police officers must shoot until the threat is stopped. How many times have we heard the anti-cop, anti-gun activists tell us, you didn't have to shoot him that many times. Why did he have to shoot him that many times? Why didn't he just shoot him once in the leg? And the answer is, is, of course, this isn't Hollywood. Only in the movies do they teach police officers to shoot in the limbs to make sure that it's not fatal. In reality, police officers are taught to shoot center mass, to stop the threat, and to shoot it as many times until, uh, as is necessary until that threat is stopped. And as you can see, sometimes one, two, three, or four isn't enough. Sometimes seven isn't enough. Watch that video on my social media page. France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio on Twitter, Facebook, and Parler, which if you do not have an account yet, you should, P-A-R-L-E-R. All right, uh, I want to move on also. We've been talking uh, at length about the cesspool, uh, but we've primarily been talking about the leaders of the cesspool of candidates for the Democratic nomination, the Joe Bidens, Elizabeth Warrens, Bernie Sanders, sometimes Kamala Harris's of the world. We have not paid any attention to the, um, uh, you know, the, the one or two percenters, the uh, homogenized crowd that I like to call them because they're like milk, one percent, two percent is all they get. Um, sometimes skim. Any, Andrew Yang is probably in that category. Andrew Yang is a really interesting guy. 
Uh, he's a Democratic pres- presidential candidate who's going to try to appeal to the masses by telling them they'll have to give up their cars. Wait, what? Yeah, just so you know, nobody's going to be able to own private cars in the future, and it's all going to be because we haven't done enough about climate change. Wait, what? Yeah, Andrew Yang was speaking uh, at the MSNBC Climate Forum at Georgetown University yesterday morning, and he dropped this little bombshell on the crowd. So you have this ability to uh, envision the future, right, with your, your proposals on universal basic income. You've, you've played the whole chess game out, and you see what it looks like uh, on the other end. Play the chess game out on climate change, the positive incentives, the regulation that Cliff was just talking about, the uh, reduction of, the, uh, of our, uh, you know, weaning off fossil fuels and eliminating them possibly. Uh, all of, what does that look like to you? What does the world look like to you in 2050? What physically do you think we will do differently than we do today uh, that will result in us fighting climate change? I'm going to answer for him. What will the world look like in 2050 if we have to give up everything that leads to what they call climate change? Let's go back and look at 1850. That's it. Literally asking us to de-industrialize this country and this planet. The Industrial Revolution was the worst thing in the world to happen to this planet. So we have to de-industrialize by getting rid of things like cars. That's, and now here's his actual answer. Well, I mentioned before that we might not own our own cars. Our current car ownership and usage model is really inefficient and bad for the environment. Um, so you might have a society, you guys all probably agree with this because you're quite young. You're, you know, when, when I was your age, I was like a car, and like having that car was such a big deal. You know, I was driving like a 1985 Honda Accord that could like barely get up hills. And I was like, yeah, and I was like rolling the window down like this. And, uh, so it, it, what, what we're really selling is not the car, it's mobility. And so if you have mobility that's then tied into uh, a much more... If you had, like, for example, this constant roving fleet of electric cars that you would just order up, then you could diminish the impact of ground transportation on, on our environment very, very quickly. Uh, so that, that's a very, very clear one. I, uh, I, I really don't like doing this. Because it's just, it's painful. It really is. But, but seriously, did you hear what he just said? It's not the car that's important to people. It's the mobility. And as long as we have other mobility, like just ordering up an electric car to come and pick you up, then we'll be fine. No, it's the car. Because the car leads me to my mobility on my schedule. Not waiting for my electric car ride to get here. Not waiting by the bus stop. Not waiting by the train station. Not waiting by the airport, although those things are necessary for the long distances. But you understand the point. It it is indeed the convenience of having my own transportation. That's number one. And number two, the hilarious part about this is they are arguing in favor of electric cars and thus the electric car batteries, because they actually don't run in electricity, They actually run on batteries. Yes, electricity is used to charge those batteries, but they are batteries. And the batteries require, and I don't have the science in front of me, but I have read it. The batteries um, are far more toxic to the environment in terms of uh, carbon footprints and environmental damage than um, internal combustion, gasoline-powered engines could ever be. Because, I mean, seriously, if, if you, if, do you know what cobalt is? 
Do you, do you understand how these batteries are made? Do you understand that mining for them is extraordinarily difficult? Do you, do you understand how much damage it does to mine for the materials needed to build these batteries and to make them on such a massive... Now, this is... How many electric cars are there in the world right now? I don't know the answer to that question, but I know that it is one tiny fraction of what it will be if this guy's dreams come true, because every internal combustion engine car, if we wean off of and eliminate totally fossil fuels the way they're talking about, that means no more oil, no more gasoline, no more, um, uh, uh, you know, regular cars, you know, uh, you know, combustion engine cars. If, if they all have to be replaced by electric cars so that we all have the same mobility, you might as well just kiss the planet goodbye. In their attempts to save the planet from mankind, that would be mankind's biggest mistake if they tried to replace them. But that's number one. And number two, it still does not address, and we talk about this whenever we talk about the Green New Deal from the AOCs of the world, the uh, Damasio Cortezes uh, and Bernie Sanders and the other socialist Green New Deal uh, supporters. Um, you cannot replace oil and you cannot replace the combustion engine and still be able to traverse the world because there's no battery-powered airplanes. There are no battery-powered tractors to plow for food. There are no battery-powered semi-tractor uh, trailers, the 18-wheelers, uh, that can power you know those vehicles to move goods from one place to another, from manufacturers to retails, from retails to homes, et cetera, et cetera. The idea that we are just going to give up all of the advances we have made technologically, transportationally, and so on and so forth, all in an attempt to save a planet that we have no control over whatsoever, it's just... And, oh, by the way, let's just, let's just finish the job. You won't be able to have your cheeseburgers or your sirloin steaks or T-bones or whatever it is that you like because we're going to have to eliminate uh, factory farming. We cannot allow the cow flatulence to continue to contribute to the carbon, so we have to all become vegans and not eat animals. Uh, we, I mean, the, the, the number of things that we have to sacrifice, the number of things, are just our money. They keep telling us. You go to this climate change summit that they held at Georgetown University, and you will also hear them talk about how they have to take our money because taxes have to be raised in order for the government to do all of these things that they're talking about. But it's okay because you won't have a car payment you have to pay, they'll say, because we're going to have electric cars being used as public transportation, et cetera, et cetera, or bicycles, and we're going to get more fit and more ener- uh, we're going to have more energy because we're all going to be riding bikes everywhere. I apologize, but this backwards trend, all in in what they believe to be an an exercise in progressivism, is literally the opposite. We're not moving forward. We're not progressing. We would be reverting back to pre-industrial revolution times in so many ways. We will give up all of our liberty. We'll give up our money. We'll give up our food. We'll give up uh, our way of life, all to try to save a planet that we have absolutely no control over. And how do we know that? Well, I'll say it until uh, somebody proves me wrong. Because this planet has already endured warming. And then it froze. And then it warmed again. And then it froze. And all of those things happened before we built our first combustible engine. Let's go to uh, Sister Mary Grace in Old Brooklyn. Thanks for waiting. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Sister, can you hear and me? I'm just praying. Okay. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can now. Go ahead. Oh, I just get so excited because... Um, I wanted to talk about Buttigieg, that his father 
his father taught at Notre Dame. Did you know that? I did not. He was a professor at Notre Dame. Do you know what he taught? Uh, no. Marxism. Gender studies. Gender studies. Marxism. <laughs> that makes more sense. I just thought you were but going somewhere did. because of Pete Buttigieg as uh, uh, as no, uh, an openly gay candidate. Marxism. Marxism. I didn't know Marxism was taught at uh, Notre Dame. Well, he did. Okay. Well, that's an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting development. I hope. I would hope that there's a caveat there that they're teaching about the dangers there of is. Marxism and communism, and not the but you know the benefits is. thereof. Their plans were in the churches and to take over them because and the Jesuits they were going to take over them so that they could rule the world. Very interesting, uh, sister. I thank you so much for the phone call. I uh, I did not know that. It's something I might have to look into. Um, Eric in Monroe uh, Falls is next. Hi, Eric. Go ahead. Hey, man. Oh, you're you're a hundred and fifty percent right about the climate issue. But you know, uh, there's a couple of things about Yang's idea that you can order up an electric car whenever you want it. Um, can, can you go on Twitter and uh, Facebook and post a YouTube video you want? No, not if they don't like it. Uh, will Google uh, censor search results? They're probably doing it. So imagine we know they are. We know they are. Yeah, we know, right? So imagine then if you're going to order up a car, uh, maybe you got to sign up for uh, sign up for the service. Uh, and in the terms of uh, in the terms you sign up to, says, do you own a gun? Check yes. Oh, I'm sorry, we can't accept you. Uh, hey, there's a conservative rally in the area. I want to schedule. A, I want to order a car to drive over there. Oh, uh, there are no cars available. So when you centralize this kind of stuff, um, it, give, it, it gives people uh, it gives people power to say when and how you use the car. That is a brilliant, is a brilliant observation. observation. I, 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 I have not I, considered I have not. that, but you're right. When we see uh, big tech um, censoring, banning shrinking the the uh, impression of etc conservatives online on online techno uh, you know technological platforms uh you prove that yes they have the ability to identify who you are what your message is what you stand for and to censor you or block you or whatever on that basis and if they'll do it to your twitter account or your youtube account who's that who's to say they wouldn't do it for your mobility you want to make sure donald trump doesn't have twenty five thousand at his next rally not that Donald Trump will be around when all of this comes down. But you want to stop Donald Trump from getting 25000 to his rally? Yeah, let's just put all of the cars on hold. All of the electric cars run by the government, or at least contracted by the government. Uh, let's make sure nobody goes to pick these people up. Uh, it's insane. Uh, we have liberty in this country. We have freedom in this country for a reason, and we will not surrender it. 1021, back after this. I just shared a link on my Facebook page during that break. <clears throat> Take a look at it. It's France Radio. It's from March in Forbes.com uh, or online at Forbes.com. And my uh, my uh, post says, Dems want to take your cars from you and replace them with electric cars used as public transportation. 
And then I wrote, Dems are galactically stupid. I hope I spelled galactically right, or else I'll look really, really bad there. And then I linked to this story in um, uh, uh, Forbes and online at Forbes.com. And the headline is uh, all you need to know. Cobalt, the Achilles heel for electric car makers. I mentioned this to you just in passing before about cobalt is how lithium batteries are made. Um, lithium and cobalt are, are, are what are used as the primary ingredients in these car batteries for electric cars, which are on a very small scale right now. But to do it on such a massive scale, well, read the article. Trust me on this one. Read the article. It's on my Facebook page, France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. I may put it on on Twitter and Parler as well if time allows. Chris in Parma, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. Happy Friday. Happy Friday um, to you. I- I just wanted to let you know, I, I finally found your your Facebook page again, but um, it's not on my news feed. So I don't know whether you're being censored or what have you or anything like that, but none of your stuff is coming through to my news feed. And also, too, that one story about the police officers with the, the shooting, the, the, um, the uh, you know, the camera where they show the, the yeah, body, the body camera. Cam- yeah, I mean, right. Uh, that's nowhere on your your uh your what do you call it? on your page at all the uh, last one i saw was, i'm sorry uh, no i'm just uh i'm looking at hold on i'm i'm looking at my page right now to make sure yeah. that it is there the last on one the... i saw was the uh thing about that lady where she said she's too pretty to go to jail that was the okay. last time that i got anything from you as far as news read cuz i like your show and right. everything like that i appreciate but, that I just want to let you know, hey, as far as why it's not showing, as far as why it's not showing up on your new news feed, I I can't say uh, on that. Um, I, I, you know, there may be a way to tweak settings to allow public pages that might not be coming through to come through. Um, as far as that particular post, like I said, during the bottom of the hour news here, I'll look into that, Chris. But I appreciate you making me aware of that. Um, it's possible that, you know, because I have two Facebook pages. One is my private one, and I do have a lot of listeners who I'm private friends with, but um, you're capped out, you're tapped out, whatever you want to say, at, at 5,000. So I use that one more for personal stuff. I'll post stuff about my kids and things like that, even though some listeners have access to that, and I'll occasionally post a political topic on there. But my second page is the public one. It's France Radio. That's where I post all of these political stories and stories that are of uh, great importance to all of us that we talk about on the radio. So uh, it's possible that I may have that only on my private page and not on the public page. I'll research that and let you know during the news break, which is coming up now. And then Michelle Malkin joins us once again on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten thirty four onward we roll on AM fourteen twenty the answer. Thank you so much for joining us on this free for all Friday. Next week I'll be in Washington D.C. broadcasting from Radio Row at the uh, latest uh, fair uh, event. There, oh lordy, I should know how many. I want to say sixteenth annual. Uh, hold their feet to the fire event as uh, they hold. Um, Washington politicians and leaders uh, responsible and accountable for the problems uh, facing this country vis-a-vis illegal immigration today. And obviously, it's really never been worse than it is right now in, ter- in terms of the crisis at the border, both humanitarian and security. One of the people chronicling that crisis is our next guest. She has written a new book. She is a conservative pundit uh, and uh 
commentator and best-selling author. Her latest book is called Open Borders, Inc., the shocking, comprehensive expose of who's behind our immigration crisis. I speak, of course, of Michelle Malkin, the People's Republic of Oberlin graduate and survivor, Michelle Malkin, back on the airwaves here in Cleveland. Good to have you back, Michelle. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me back, Bob. And, of course, Oberlin, one of the proud illegal alien sanctuary spaces in America, uh, a problem that has metastasized largely because of the entities that I identify in, in Open Borders, Inc. Yeah, and uh, I want to talk, we'll talk about that in the small town level like that, and then at the sanctuary, sanctuary state level, like uh, one of the biggest states in the country in California, and, and those impacts. Um, before we go there, I just want to get you real quick on this, Michelle. The last time you spoke on this program, I was uh, uh, kind of uh, you know imparting the, the Gibson's story to you and asking for your thoughts on it and your assistance because of your, uh, you know, your affiliation with Oberlin. You saw the result, of course, and I know you've commented on it, but I haven't talked to you about it. Uh, they asked for a new trial, did the uh, college. Um, they were turned down by a judge just last week, and I don't know if you saw it in the local papers around here, but they tried to get a new trial, in other words, to uh, vacate the uh, $33 million judgment against them in favor of Gibson's. Uh, so the good news is that your alma mater is losing yet again. It is good news, and I did follow all of the, the latest uh, legal machinations of Oberlin College to evade the consequences of their false fears uh, and their defamation. And it, it's gratifying to see that sometimes the uh, justice system does actually deliver justice. Amen. Uh, and, uh, of course, they weren't going to go down without a fight, and they, they've doubled and, and tripled down, and in the meantime, made a, a, a complete and utter and permanent embarrassment of themselves in American higher education. Holding people accountable for their actions is the way you worded that, and I think that's a brilliant segue into what you are talking about right now with respect to illegal immigration in sanctuary cities. There are leaders at the local and state levels who have decided we don't need to hold people accountable for breaking the law, for being here illegally, and, uh, in fact, not only will we not hold them accountable, we will protect them if they violate more laws while they are here. We will not coordinate with and or cooperate uh, with federal authorities in reporting these people so that deportation proceedings, if they are in order can begin and that is the the essence of sanctuary cities and never has it been more uh prevalent i think than right now as we have seen a strange and disturbing run of sexual assaults being committed by illegal aliens um in these sanctuary city locations yeah that's right i was just in montgomery county maryland which is the ground zero in the battle over these illegal alien safe spaces and these outlaw cities counties and states now number nearly 600 jurisdictions across America. Open Borders, Inc. includes a map that I believe that American readers will find very helpful because a lot of people don't understand what's going on in their own backyards, that you have elected officials and uh, politically correct far-left police chiefs who are actively obstructing investigations by ICE and DHS agents, particularly when it comes to these repeat criminal aliens like the rapists that you referred to. And so last Friday, I helped organize and lead a Stand with ICE rally at the steps of the Montgomery County government. And as part of my book tour, I'm targeting sanctuary cities all across America. Um, A third of these rallies will occur at the Aurora, Colorado ICE facility in my adopted home state, which was targeted in July by many of the Soros-allied uh, affiliate groups. 
the Abolish ICE people, the Antifa thugs who are harassing and doxing and uh, targeting ICE agents and their families. In July in Aurora, the American flag, Bob, was torn down and replaced with a Mexican flag and a defaced Blue Lives Matter flag. I, I really urge people to educate themselves about the proliferation of these astroturfing groups that uh, just pop out seemingly out of nowhere but have uh, really been part of the foundation of the Open Society's Institute network for upwards of 20 years now. That is incredibly important. It's also incredibly outraging. Um, we're talking to Michelle Malkin, uh, who is, as she pointed out on a book tour, you really need to read her book. It's Open Borders, Inc., the shop- shocking, comprehensive expose of who's behind the immigration crisis. I want to follow up on the uh, open society in a moment, but you mentioned the uh, abolish ICE. You are you are participating in several uh, stand with ICE rallies, as you said, in Montgomery County, now in Aurora, Colorado, coming up on Saturday. But the abolish ICE thugs are out there tormenting uh, p- uh, essentially what are federal law enforcement officers. An ICE agent is a federal law enforcement officer uh, for just doing their jobs, and they did it at a detention director's home last night as well. Was this where you saw the flag torn down? No, it was nearby. The, the warden's house was targeted, and that warden leads the Aurora ICE facility where the flag was torn down. I have a lot of original video and reporting. I've been in touch with uh, the neighbors who, after seeing my initial rally uh, in on Labor Day at that facility, decided that they were going to stand in front of the uh, their neighbor's house, this warden's house, and uh, give a public display of, of, of support and get off the sidelines. With these abolish ICE um, terrorists, and that's what they are, domestic terrorists, the incitement uh, to violence against our federal law enforcement officials has been escalating. In Tacoma, Washington, there was an Antifa member who attempted to firebomb a facility. He was shot and killed by police before he could harm anyone, but he left a manifesto that was spread across social media, not just by fellow Antifa thugs and agitators, but also by so-called mainstream media in a celebratory way. Uh, this shows the nexus between uh, many of these open borders radicals and Silicon Valley, which has a high tolerance level uh, for these people who are are threatening our law enforcement and immigration enforcement officials. And I pointed that out because the uh, harassment of the uh, Aurora ICE detention warden last night was advertised on Facebook. Facebook, at the same time that it is targeting immigration enforcement patriots, pro-Trump supporters, pro-life supporters, allow these left-wing domestic terrorists to reign free in their space. And Michelle, what I want to know is who, on whose hands will the blood be when battles start to break out? Because people are not going to stand by. These people who are protecting the ICE agents, protecting the you know the warden's home, lining uh, the lawns and so on and so forth to keep them away. They're going to see flag, excuse me, flags being torn down. They're going to be seeing Mexican flags being raised, et cetera, et cetera. And there's, they're going to respond. They're going to, they're going to physically try to stop it. That's going to lead to physical confrontations. And again, who is responsible for the instigation of all of these events? It will not be the patriots who are supporting law enforcement in the United States of America. I think people really need to understand the the history of the smear campaign against the types of patriots now who are bravely standing forward. And they're not going to be the ones who are the instigators of violence. I think we need to make that clear. Um, We've seen this narrative now, uh, the smearing and persecution of peaceful people who belonged to 
groups like Patriot Prayer uh, in the Pacific Northwest um, that have been trying to protect their community, or the Proud Boys, who have been completely lied about. Uh, the head of that group, Gavin McGinnis, is a very close friend of mine. Uh, I know many of the Proud Boys who are all different colors, black, white, brown, and yellow, who are being selectively prosecuted uh, for defending themselves against these Antifa instigators. Um, and so I think it behooves people to get the truth, and you can find it in the covers of, of my nearly 500-page book, um, but also, I think, to get off the sidelines. No, not to instigate violence, but to defend law and order and peace. Michelle Malkin is our guest. Um, when I ask whose uh, hands are going to be bloody on this, I'm, I'm going to answer my own question, too, and just get your thoughts on it. I, when I hear... Sure. The likes of this, 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 well, I call them the squids. Uh, they call themselves the squads, but the squad. But when I hear AOC, <laughs> when I hear, uh, when I hear, you know, Christian Gillibrand, Elizabeth Warren, and so many of the Democratic candidates calling for the abolition of ICE, literally saying ICE needs to be wiped out and then reconstituted in some different type of form, they are encouraging this behavior. They're encouraging these actions. And I would love to know how they answer this question. If you are defending these people because they are as much American as anyone else, why are they raising the Mexican flag? If they want to be a part of this country, why are they trying to essentially turn this country into that one? Exactly. Well, they're trying to destroy our country, and I, I think that the people need to also understand the ideological underpinnings of, of their movement. They don't want to replace ICE with anything, and at least some of them are brazenly honest and, and candid about that. They want to tear down the, in, 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 in the entire Department of Homeland Security You've got Julian Castro getting all of the other uh, Democratic presidential candidates to raise their hand that they want to decriminalize border trespassing. Uh, this is not some, you know, the, the thing is that uh, with the SPLC smear machine, um, what they'll do is cast everyone who supports immigration enforcement and American sovereignty as a racist, as a xenophobe. I've got Media Matters for the last week, every single day since my uh, book was published, c- labeling me, Bob, a quote-unquote white nationalist <laughs> and and it doesn't matter i mean they've gone after ben carson and ayan hersey ali uh and uh, many people who are not white uh by any stretch of, of the imagination but that's what their mindset is that, that somehow if you believe in the, the foundations of this country and uh take your oath of naturalization seriously as my parents did to defend against all enemies foreign and domestic this qualifies as as quote unquote white and quote unquote hateful. That is uh that is a remarkable thing. And you're right, it is the it is the the strangest, most bizarre thing that they can actually tell non white people that they're white supremacists <laughs> or white nationalists. Yeah. Uh it, it it really is. Uh Michelle Malkin's book is Open Borders Inc., the shocking comprehensive expose of who's behind our immigration crisis. We did get some good news, Michelle, as we talk about all of these terrible things and the abolish ice people and everything that they're doing. Uh, the Supreme Court came through last week saying the president's uh, plan on asylum uh, or, or his uh, uh, policy on asylum uh, being uh, limited to those who have already ass- sought asylum in a second country, a country before they got to the United States. If you bypass Mexico, in other words, and you're coming from one of the um, Central American Triangle uh, nations or coming from around the world, by the way, they're coming from African nations, coming from Middle Eastern nations, European nations, all getting there and then using Mexico as the land bridge to get up to the United States. But if you come through Mexico and you claim you are seeking asylum in the United States, you better seek it there first or you will be denied. So the Supreme Court said the president was right on that one. Will it make a difference? 
it, it will make a difference because it, it's starting to uh, decrease the power of all of these incredibly irresistible magnets that are drawing um, desperate people to do reckless and dangerous things. President Trump is not to blame for, quote-unquote, separating families. Uh, that blame lays squarely at the feet of so many of the entities that I identify. Uh, George Soros' entire illegal alien bar association, for example, the ACLU, the Immigrant Advocates Network, the Catholic Legal Immigration Network, the Immigrant Legal Resource Center, uh, that provide you know immediate know your rights seminars as soon as people get to the border. It even stretches all the way back to the communities in um, many of the countries in Central America that are sending these people. Uh, cooking up these false claims in the first place because they know, thanks to the Flores settlement under the Clinton administration, that if they simply uh, showed up with a a minor, that uh, they would be almost immediately uh, just caught and then released. And um, it is is a big victory, but what's daunting to know is that this entire network that I identify uh, pulls in hundreds of millions of dollars, many of these organizations tax-exempt, and nonprofit and government subsidized by our tax dollars uh, to elevate the rights of illegal aliens over American citizens. Michelle, last question. Um, th- this is obviously a, a, a very disturbing. Um, there are a lot of disturbing things about our immigration policy right now. We can go to the uh, often fought about um, uh, visa diversity lottery, chain migration. Uh, you know, uh, anchor babies, obviously, uh, with uh, yep. you know, na- you know, natural uh, births uh, on American soil. I-, I feel like the one, though, and, I'm, and I'll ask you, the one that is the most important. Is is simply e-verify. Um, I feel like the magnet is still jobs. Is the biggest magnet to come here still jobs? Um, and if it is, wouldn't just the e-verify policy alone eliminate so much of what's going on at the border? If the people found out they cannot come here and get jobs without valid American photo identification, wouldn't that automatically just you know remove the carrot that has you know that so many of them are chasing? Yes, I think the combination of um, birthright citizens or plus jobs or plus chain migration is a recipe for the demise of a country, and that's what we're seeing. And I think to understand all of the corporate influences, George Soros couldn't do this by himself. National Council of La Raza couldn't create the immigration chaos that we have by themselves. It's the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. It's the Koch brothers who identify who uh, have started a, an initiative over the last five seven years, uh, the Libre Initiative, which might as well have been created by George Soros, because uh, along with failing to enforce our um, employer sanctions and and, uh, build up an effective E-Verify system, uh, you've got uh, all of these illegal people here, upwards of 30 million of them, who are able to get driver's licenses and in-state college uh, tuition discounts, uh, and then work permits. I mean, 800,000 of them under uh, Obama. Uh, people forget that the, the, the so-called Dreamer Initiative was really about jobs. That's exactly right, and and what's really amazing, uh, and we'll we'll wrap it with this: the the unemployment rate, as you know, uh, for African Americans and for Latino Americans, by the way, is lower than it's ever been in recorded history. And I I just want to ask you how amazing that is, given the fact that the people who are most 
uh, affected by illegal immigration are African Americans and legal uh, residents or citizens who are Latino Americans because they are frequently competing for the same unskilled job uh, uh, market uh, positions that are available. It's incredible. And can you imagine how many people would be able to work if they were legal citizens here uh, if we did get a handle on illegal immigration and stop them from competing for those jobs? Yes, that's right. And imagine if those incredible job figures were um, not attributed to a Republican but happened under Obama. We'd hear no end of it. And yet these these same Democrats have incredible ideological and cognitive dissonance. This is the same ones who want to mandate, uh, you know, 15, 20, 25, $30 an hour minimum wage when their own open borders policies are, are the very things that are suppressing wages for the people they say they care about. <laughs> That's exactly right. That is that is the perfect uh, way to state that. This is uh, the idiocy of what they are doing. Uh, the book, again, by Michelle Malkin, Open Borders, Inc., the shocking comprehensive expose uh, of who's behind uh, our immigration crisis. It's available now. Obviously, order it up. Educate yourself. Michelle, I'm sorry I won't see you in D.C. next week, but I'm so glad you were able to come on with us here this morning. Thank you for your insights. And thank you for your courage in continuing to fight to support our, our federal uh, ICE agents. Thank you. I appreciate you, Bob. Take care and keep up the great work. Amen. God bless. Thank you. 1052, Bob France Authority, back after this. All righty then, uh, 1055, final segment of the broadcast. Thanks to Michelle Malkin. She is a, uh, she's a patriot. And apparently, even though she's Asian, she's also a white nationalist, <laughs> according to Media Matters and the Nut Jobs at the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, Ellen is uh, calling from Rocky River. Thanks for your patience, Ellen. I appreciate that. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. And Certainly. I would agree with you. Michelle Malkin, she reminds me of Candace Owen. She's fearless. Um, she has cojones. And, you know, the GOP could learn a lot from the two of them. I think what one of the things that really bothers me the most about the left with all of their um, ideology, I'll start with immigration, the reality is they don't care a, a, a whit about these people. Um, not a whit. Um, it's obviously to, you know, protect their voter rolls. But I guess what is the most hideous is that their children, their wives, their families will never be subjected to the horrors of these policies. They live in very tiny zip codes. They're in gated communities. They're surrounded by armed guards, and their children are at the best private schools. So they're not going to be subjected to it. It's a crime. There is now an outbreak in Los Angeles of leprosy. Leprosy. I thought we had gotten rid of that disease. So the, the immigration is, the, is one thing. The guns are the other. They don't care about mass shootings. I mean, I mean, the, the people who die in mass shootings, and, and God rest their soul, they're collateral damage. They're a means, they're an, uh, means to an end. The whole idea is to disarm free people. Um, and it, it's going to be incrementally. They don't have to worry about being assaulted. They don't have to be worried about being robbed. They're all surrounded by armed guards. So I think for me, that's the most hideous. You know, these are very wealthy people. If they're that concerned about the immigrants and they have adopted them as mascots, they have several homes and they have lots of help. You would think that they would take 
several families in, don't you? Wouldn't you think? Yeah, Being you a, would, right? If if they if they were education. yeah if they wanted to if they wanted to live what they preach, they would. They would absolutely do that. And and Ellen, I got a jet here because I'm short on time, and I appreciate your phone call. But you make some absolutely perfect points. Points. Those are the same things that outrage most Americans is their hypocrisy uh, and their using of people. You're 100 percent right. John and Chard is going to wrap it up for us. Hi, John. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. I'm wondering how a conservative like Michelle Malkin would choose the land of the enemy like Oberlin College for college education, you know? Uh, I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, a lot of times it's not up to to a kid. A lot of times a parent has a role in it, how much they can afford, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. I've never asked her. You know, and that's a great question. Next time I get around, I'll ask her how and why she yeah. chose it. But I find it phenomenal and fascinating and wonderful and inspiring that people can go to those universities and have the mental strength and fortitude not to be indoctrinated and to come out on the other side as one of the staunchest advocates for things the opposite of what uh, the the, the college teaches you know what i mean yeah good point bob yeah that's that's one of the things that that is uplifting to me is i see somebody like michelle malkin go to an oberlin college or you'll see conservatives come out of berkeley or out of harvard or somewhere and you think to yourself that's an amazing accomplishment to survive the indoctrination especially in this day and age when it's worse than ever and actually come out more convinced in, uh, of your convictions and your beliefs uh, in, in what is right in the Constitution, in liberty, in conservatism than you were when you went in. That's an amazing thing, and that's why I love Michelle Malkin. She is, uh, she's a hero to a lot of people. All right, that's it. That's all the time that I've got. Thanks for being a part of the show today. Great conversation with Michelle. Great conversations with you. And I hope uh, you'll join me again on Monday morning for the next Bob France Authority. As for today, stay where you are, because Mike Gallagher is coming up next, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.